Welcome back to Holy Snokes. How are you doing, Mom? I'm doing good, babe. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, you know? It's a time to be alive as a Star Wars fan and Marvel. But today we're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones, which I've been so excited for. How was that for you? Well, I've watched it twice. Um, the first time I watched it, I watched it right after Phantom Menace, and they kind of blurred together. So I'm like, you know what? For our listeners, I'm going to be sharp, and I'm going to watch it one more time. So I watched it this week. It was great. Great film. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like in order to even talk about the film, I need to explain what's been going on in between the last two films because okay. it is very important information okay. that I honestly feel like a lot of fans today still don't really understand how it, like, um, just this buildup to the Clone Wars started. So Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones takes place in 10 years between each other. And around the time of Phantom Menace of the Naboo Crisis, a Jedi Master by the name of Sifo Dyas has a vision, basically, that the Republic is going to go to war. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the Jedi Council and is like, hey, like, we don't have an army. We need to do something about that. And the Jedi Council dismisses him, says that, no, like, that's not true. Um, there's not going to be any war. So he decides that he's just going to make his own army on behalf of the Republic. Well, at the same time, Darth Sidious and his new apprentice, Darth Tyrannus, who's Count Dooku, catch wind of this plan. Dooku. Okay. You know, for having such a stupid name, I do love Count Dooku. He is a great villain. I don't know. There's a couple things in the film with him that I'm just... Wow. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Continue. So they catch wind of this plan. So they decide that they are going to just basically take over this plan. So they get Sifo Dyas killed. They approach the Kaminoans to create a clone army. And um, Darth Tyrannus basically recruits a bunch of bounty hunters to do a job to basically kill a rogue Jedi and Jango Fett is the only one that does it. Mm. So that's why he gets picked as the, the clone template. And he also has a really long, complicated history with the Jedi that is legends. Hopefully he'll be brought into canon. I respect Jango Fett, one of the best characters, but whatever. Well, wait a minute. What's his name? Like his, the actor that plays him? Tamora Morrison. <laughs> Do we want to talk a little bit about how you're in love with him? We will, but I feel like once we get to that point in the movie, that's when I'll do my like rant about how gorgeous that man is. <laughs> oh, so I, okay. I need to I need to save it a little bit. Okay, sorry. So the past ten years have basically just been um, the clones are being created on Camino. The Jedi have no idea about it, but. The Kaminoans have been told that it's for the Republic, while secretly the Sith are just mingling with these plans. Um, And at the same time, Obi-Wan has been training Anakin as his Padawan. So now we're getting closer to Attack the Clones. But two years before Attack the Clones, we have what is called the Separatist Crisis. And Count Dooku, who has by this time left the Jedi Order, 
is now a Sith Lord, goes back to his home planet, and basically becomes a politician. Him and a bunch of other systems decide that their public is corrupt and they basically secede from the Republic. Um, so that was two years before the events of Attack of the Clones. And at the beginning of the movie, Padme is coming back to Coruscant to vote on a bill that basically would create an army to deal with this problem. But she's the head of the, um, the opposing party. So her vote really is important because she strongly opposes any type of war, any type of army. And she's, just to clarify, she's a senator yeah, she's now. she's a senator. She's not a queen anymore. She's so she, a senator. She served her two terms as queen. And when she finished her two terms, the new queen was like, do you know what? You're really good at this. Do you want to be senator? And she just reluctantly agreed. Hmm. But the movie starts with just Padme trying to get killed. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. Okay. I mean... Could you imagine just that being that important that someone just wants to kill you? No, I can't. But clearly her and her amazing acting is that important. Well, it seems like she just doesn't care. Well, there's not a lot of emotion coming from her. But like even until later in the movie, what we'll get to that. Yeah. But. but I feel like her conversations with like, Captain Typho and the Jedi and Palpatine. She's like, yeah, someone's trying to kill me, but I got to go do this vote. <laughs> and everyone's like, bro, like someone's trying to kill you. You should have more emotion behind that. And she's like, uh, uh, it is what it, it is. is what it is. But Palpatine's like, do you know who could protect you? Master Kenobi and his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. Wow, what an amazing opportunity presented before everyone. Yeah. It, I mentioned to you before, it's a lot of matchmaking happening right there from Senator Palpatine. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. Like, a lot of people ask me, you know, why would Palpatine want to kill Padme? Spoiler alert. Palpatine wanted to kill Padme. Wants to kill Padme, but also... Getting Anakin and Padme together ends up being his downfall. Ooh, can I answer that question? Oh, yeah, sure. He wanted to put them together because he ultimately want to make wants to make Anakin, like, a crazy person. So he puts him and Padme together knowing that she'll eventually die and he'll go nuts. Is that right? That is, like, a very, like, broad way of explaining <laughs> the attack. It's a... It's... Um, this whole movie. It's my tweet version. Yeah. It's a very complicated situation. It definitely was not like his original plan, but you can definitely see like in the books, he kind of notices the relationship that the two of them have and the chemistry. And he's kind of like, oh, I can use this to my advantage. Mm. So it's definitely like not his first option where he's like, <laughs> I'm going to get Anakin laid and that's going to result in him. So many boner moves in this movie. Anakin, honestly is so cringy and in, as a woman who has dealt with so many like creepy guys like that i just don't understand why george lucas would kind of encourage men to think that this is how you get a hot woman mm. i don't know because it is weird the things anakin says makes me so uncomfortable and <laughs> has made me so uncomfortable since this movie came out and i was five and immediately i was like I don't think that's what you should say to a girl. Oh, and 
the touching scenes in the beginning. Oh my gosh. So, uh, if anyone, I can be married. If my partner touches me, caresses my back <laughs> like that, I would be like, I need you to take a couple steps away from me. And I need you to rethink about what you just did. You know what? It looks like when you have a booger on your finger and you can't flick it off. And so, so you, you wipe it, it, you wipe it on the wall. <laughs> it's not more, that we do that. Yeah. We don't do that. But it's more of like the things he does and Padme's like, don't look at me that way. It makes me uncomfortable. Like she shoots him down so many times and then he's just like, my lady. (laughs) (laughs) My lady. lady. It's a lot of me too type stuff in this movie, but are we getting ahead of ourselves? I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. So basically the Jedi Council is like, okay, Anakin, you are going to escort Padme back to Naboo to protect her. Obi-Wan is going to fig- try to figure out who's trying to kill her. So basically it's the Jedi Council's fault that they send Anakin Padme on like a honeymoon pretty much. Because Naboo's gorgeous. So it's really their fault. But they go to Naboo and they do some weird frolicking and fields and picnics. And Anakin talks about how sand is... <laughs> rough coarse and irritating and gets everywhere and apparently Padme's like that's so hot ugh do you have stats about the movie though this time oh like interesting things yeah you always start off with our interesting oh I'm facts. sorry I we want the facts I'm sorry we I was just facts. so um concerned about how this all happened the sexual harassment the sexual yes. harassment is very important to me I'm sorry, but I, everybody likes hearing your facts in okay. the beginning, so share so the facts. The movie came out May 16th in uh, 2002, so I would have been Five. a child. I think I took you to it. Yeah. Uh, the budget was $115 million. So now we're definitely starting to get up there in the budget. There's some fun graphics in the film. Some very fun graphics. And the box office was $653.8 million. Hmm. So I, it definitely did well. Um, I felt like this is one of those movies that fans either love or despise. And it is mostly because of Anakin and Padme's relationship. I don't think anyone has a problem with Obi-Wan's story. Yes. Yeah. Everyone loves Obi-Wan. Well, he, Mullet you, Obi-Wan you is... You and McGregor look ooh, nice. He looks so good in that mullet. Mm-hmm. Like, he's killing it. So, yeah, everyone loves Obi-Wan. Hayden Christensen, a lot of people had a problem with. Right. And um, it is really upsetting to see this pattern of how people treated Ahmed Best, who was Jar Jar in Phantom Menace. And then immediately in the next film, they kind of transfer that hate onto Hayden. It's... But then it's weird because now, like, with the Kenobi show that's coming out, he's been announced to return as Darth Vader. Oh. And everyone was so hyped about that. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you can't hate on this man for all of these years. Over 20 years. For 20 years, you can't hate on him. And all of a sudden, you're like, yay. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. You need to... Isn't that what cancel culture is It is about? what cancel culture is. But it's more of... If you did hate on him when the movie came out, you should recognize that, you know, you have matured as a person. So you could say, I didn't like Hayden Christensen's performance in 2002. I understand that comments that I made about him were inappropriate because he's a human being. 
and this is a movie. It's not real. But now I see the errors in my ways and I do want to support him as an actor. So everyone that has ever hated on Hayden Christensen, you need to get a pen and paper, rewind, listen to what Mia just wrote and put it on your social media feed. Okay? Because I'm sick of the hate. Sick of the hate. Sick of it. Well, before we continue, I do want to bring up how in the last episode, at the end, I told you that I had a couple of notes. Mm-hmm. Um, those were, hopefully you remember what I said, but just in case, baby, sand, kiss, lots of boner moves, copy and paste clones. So we've talked about uh, the boner moves. That is literally in sand. In sand. I don't remember why I wrote down the other things. However, watching it the second time, I have written down a lot of thoughts. Okay. So we can wait to go over those or we can start now. No, I'm, I'm excited to hear them. All right. So number one, Obi-Wan has a split personality. Interesting. He, I mean, I love Ewan McGregor. We've talked about it. I love the character of Obi-Wan, but Dang, when they're in that elevator going up to see Padme, like in one minute, he's he's like, you're smart. I like you, Anakin. You know exactly what you're doing. And then the next minute, he's like, stop sweating. Control your emotions. And I'm like, dude, no wonder he's like conflicted. Well, no, because I told you that when a master picks their Padawan, they develop a force bond so they can like share information between each other telepathically. So that means that literally Obi-Wan has... 100% unasked for <laughs> connection to all of Anakin's dirty thoughts. That's kind of like in, um, not to jump movies, but in Twilight, how all, oh, the, yeah. all the wolves can sense. They can sense Jacob's lust. Yeah. So Obi-Wan's fully like, geez, man, oh, like, I know you're okay. 19, but can you like calm down the horniness for a moment? Cause then they have that <laughs> argument. Because then they argue in front of everyone, which is so uncomfortable, where he's like, we will not go through this exercise again. Like, you will learn to listen to me. I'm your fucking master. Like, what's not computing in your head? And Anakin's like, well, I think I know better. And it's like, no, shut your mouth. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Well, that's actually the next two comments I've written is, but I am grown up. And yes, master. (laughs) That so can just say master like every two words. I don't know. If I was Obi-Wan and I was getting that kind of attitude, I would have smacked Anakin across the lightsaber. Like I understand that the whole point of Anakin's character is that he started his training really late. Like most people went to the temple as babies. Mm -hmm. So they grew up with no connections. They have been indoctrinated into this religion. And that was the whole point of why the Jedi council didn't want to train him at the beginning is because he had too much emotion. So yeah, he is pretty hot headed and you can see a little bit of that in Phantom Menace, but now he's a 19 year old boy who's interacting with a hot Senator that he's had a crush on for the past 10 years. Obsessed much. A very obsessive. I just remembered what baby means. Oh Yeah. Anakin's a baby. Oh, yeah. Anakin's fully a baby. Yeah. And that's that's the weird thing about the relationship is Padme later says in the movie, you know, where she talks about, like, I've 
loved you ever since we parted last. And it's like, he was a nine-year-old boy. You were a 14-year-old queen. That's gross. Gross. Um, And they, like, haven't seen each other since then. So she has no, like, mental image of him as an adult. She only has that mental image of him as a little boy in that pod racer. Well, I have a question about that scene. Yeah. Because if you haven't watched the movie, the scene is... So awkward. But they're about to go into a battle, basically, into an arena and battle. So they both think they're going to die. Yeah. Well, like, they're about to be chained to a pole. Oh, yeah. And be attacked by these crazy animals. Yes, this is a kid's movie. Again, anyhow, do you think she just told him that to, like, get him fired up? Like, to pump up his ego so that some ass could get kicked? Because... In the next scene where they're they're brought out in this chariot, they're taken off the chariot, and Padme is led away and chained to this one pole. She's immediately like all business. She gets out a little pin, and she's like, I'm going to unlock my handcuffs, and I'm going to get myself out of here. You know what I mean? Like, she goes from being very emotionally raw to, like, I'm the queen badass right here. I honestly sense guilt. In her confession. Oh. Because their whole, the whole scene when they're in the lake house by the fireplace and she's in that like leather corset when they confess their love to each other is she makes it very apparent that like, I do love you, but this can't happen. Mm -hmm. You're a Jedi. I'm a Senator. You know, you're not supposed to have any attachments. Like if we were together, our lives would be over, Mm. which is a very like, polarized view but you know that's a whole other thing but so she does kind of guilt him in that scene where she's like whatever you feel for me you just need to shove it down like I've been shoving it down and then the rest of the film even after he kills the sand people she's still like in love with him after he just confessed to murder including women and children yeah yeah not just all of them I killed all of them not just the men (laughs) The women and the children. And then she's like, oh, poor baby. As he like has a mental breakdown. Your mommy's dead. (laughs) Um, But that scene, like they're about to be led onto the chariot and she's crying and he's like, you know, it's okay. Like you don't have to be afraid of death because the Jedi are taught not to fear death. And then she's like, well, I'm not afraid to die. And he's like, well, what is it? And then she's like, Fessing up to it, she's like, if we are about to die, I need you to know that, like, I love you. And Anakin's like, what? "What?" Yeah. (laughs) You love me? I thought we agreed not to fall in love with each other. Uh, Yeah. uh, um, So I sense that guilt. But then Padme's also just a badass. I think she was then able to analyze the situation once they got out to the pole. And she's like, no, like, we can get out of this. So I do like that she's that character that doesn't give up. So I do feel like Anakin and Obi-Wan just kind of were like, well, I guess all these Geonosians that are in this arena are going to watch us die. What are they called? Geonosians. Geonosians. Remember, because I told you that I think Freddy, our dog, looks like a Geonosian. No, Freddy looks like an Ewok. I think he looks like a Geonosian. He looks like Poggle the Lesser. Okay, whatever that is. It's that bug thing that makes, like, the clicking sounds. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. the cane. I think Freddy looks like a Geonosian. 
Hopefully everybody's getting a clear vision of what he looks like. He's actually sleeping on the floor right next to us. He decided to be part of the podcast today. Yeah, good for him. Going back to Padme's outfit of the leather, did you notice that as the movie progresses, she has less and less clothes on? Yeah. Like, when we first meet her, she's, well, she's dressed up like a Jedi, right? Or a fighter. She's in love. Yeah, she's, yeah, her handmaiden, um, one of her body doubles is dressed as a senator and she's dressed as a pilot and then she dies. But from like before they go back to Naboo, she's got tons of clothes on. Yeah. And then as the movie progresses, articles just start coming off. And by the leather scene, she's wearing a little leather strap over her boobies and like another little leather strap. And it's, she looks like all sexy, like dominatrix. And I'm going, what was that direction? Cause that was clearly a costuming direction. Yeah. I think from me being a former costume designer, I could see where George Lucas might make the request that as they fall more in love, she kind of sheds her identity as a senator because Uh, her outfits in the beginning are, you know, kind of suit jackets and very structured, uh, very muted tones. And as the movie progresses, you know, like some of the costumes she wears in Naboo are just stunning. Like, there's embroidery, there's lots of colors, lots of material, lots of fabric. And the more and more um, their relationship progresses, you can see kind of those costumes shift to it to the end where Anakin is in a black Jedi um, robe and she's in completely white, mm-hmm. which is a color we don't see her in anywhere else in the film. Ooh, Princess Leia were all white. Mm-hmm. Symbolism. I love it. I did like her sweater. When they were on the sand desert place. What's that place called? Tatooine. There you go. I did like, yeah, I really liked her her outfits that she wore in Tatooine. And I'm like, where are you getting these? Like, <laughs> I don't Baru, see a bag. Yeah, like, Baru, who's, like, young there. I'm like, she doesn't seem like the type of person that's wearing these. And Shmi, I don't think, was wearing these when she lived there. So are you just, like, did you bring your luggage with you? Maybe they're all off the side because they're not allowed to be on the film. So, like, they're, like... 500 yards off to the left, her costuming department and stuff. Maybe. She seems like the type. I mean, she does have, like, a captain of security. So, clearly, she's got an entourage and all these senatorial aides and body doubles. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, that's right. I had written down, I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. Going back to the sand people, but... I, I feel really bad for the Tuscan Raiders because pretty much up until 2020 with the Mandalorian season two, they have just been treated like garbage. Well, that's what they are is garbage collectors. Of that's sorts. what was. No, they, they go through with that big armored car and pick up stuff. But the whole thing with the Tuscans. I, oh, wow. I'm totally mixing up. Yeah. Things. You're, you're thinking of the Jawas. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. There's a, a lot for my brain to take in. I'm going to give you a description and I need you to figure out what kind of like modern day real world equivalent this sounds like. Okay. A people that dress modestly and cover their face have a very conservative religion where they um, still abide by to those rules where they can only show their face to their spouses. Um, is it starting to sound like something familiar? Think of a religious group that lives in the desert. 
Oh. And is highly persecuted. Oh, Muslims. Yeah. Okay. I would thought you were talking about Mormons. No. <laughs> if anything, I say Mandalorians are Mormons because they love children. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. But so there's been this like weird religious persecution persecution to the Raiders. And like that's their whole thing is like um, in books and in Mandalorian, they talk about, you know, oh, well, they're invaders on our land and mm-hmm. the raiders are like no your invaders are on our land and so there's this weird like tribal uh disagreement going on and it's it's just very icky mm-hmm. how they're treated and finally mando's like the first person in literally all star wars it's like i'm gonna learn their language and treat them with respect but yeah anakin slaughters them like and i understand like they did Kidnap his wife or his mom. Yeah. And if somebody kidnapped me, wouldn't you be all crazy? Yeah, I would. I'd go crazy. I don't know. But to the point you're slaughtering like an entire village of people in a blind rage. If that isn't the biggest red flag for Padme. And instead she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Your mom died. Let me give you a hug. I love you. It's like, do you know what? You deserve to die in Revenge of the Sith and childbirth. Like, you're making bad decisions. Well, going back to that scene where they're about to enter the arena and die, or at least they think they are. Yeah. The part where their two ponytails are shown in the silhouette is just too much for me. She doesn't have a ponytail. She has this, like, weird... She's got, like, a bun of braids braids and stuff. Again, who's braiding her hair? I don't know, but... See, that's my favorite Padme outfit, where she's got, like, the white cowl. It's very Ray-ish. Well, it's funny because there's this meme where it's like a picture of her and the cowl and then Kylo and his cowl. And it's like <laughs> Kylo stole his like grandmother's wardrobe. Aww. But I love, I just love that silhouette and the all white before it gets cut off into a crop top by that like space tiger thing. Yeah. Wow. Which that's a whole other issue. So next thing I have is Lord pooped on his scooter. But nobody pooped. It's just, that's what Autocraft oh, did. Oh, <laughs> When he's on his little scooter. I love that scene. Where he's oh, just... my God. He's just, like, standing there like, I'm on a scooter flying through space. I love it because he just seems so unimpressed that he's being chased <laughs> down by all these gunships. Yes, on a scooter. Like, he's got some, like, guards behind him some like droids but he didn't have a helmet on like of all the things to complain about it's gonna be the helmet i don't every single person in this universe carries a weapon yet he's on a scooter mia he's like on a vespa he's a dark lord well i don't know the whole scene makes me laugh oh it makes me laugh too oh i love it um and i only have two more things okay do you want me to go ahead and do yeah. those two? Poor Jimmy Smiths. When he's on the credenza or whatever. Six foot three King Jimmy Smiths. And like all of them are talking about how things are just going to go downhill from here. Poor Jimmy Smiths. He just has his face on like, oh shit, I shouldn't be in the company of these people. But yet he is. But that's the thing that I love about his character is Clearly, like, him and Padme and the rest of, like, the pacifists clearly do not trust 
Palpatine. Like they know something's going on because in Revenge of the Sith, there's a deleted scene where the two of them and a bunch of senators meet together and they basically form the Rebel Alliance. Mm -hmm. Like they have a conversation where they're like, something's not right. We need to do something about it. If something bad does happen, let's all pledge to do something about it. So clearly like at this point, he's has sensed something's wrong. But I understand that he's in that position where he really cares about democracy like Padme wants the system to work so badly that he's going to kind of hold out on any sort of action because he wants the Senate to just stop arguing. Does that end up being their downfall? Absolutely. Because that ends up being everyone's downfall. There's the clear manipulation of Palpatine where He's devised a system where the Senate doesn't work, so nothing changes. The citizens in the galaxy become so indoctrinated into this idea that democracy doesn't work, that with the Clone Wars, they'll lose access to food and water and medicine because there's all these trade routes that are being blocked by the separatists and by all these corporations, so they are just barely surviving, but their public is spending all this money just on the war effort mm. to the point that by the time we get to the galactic empire, people are so willing to give up their freedom to just be protected. Mm -hmm. And that is the ultimate um, downfall of the Republic is that they've been so blind to the suffering of their own people. Cause who, like the whole separatist crisis thing, who cares if these systems leave the Republic? I realistically are like, okay, if they don't want to be part of it, that's fine. But the whole war itself is not devised by these separatists. Mm -hmm. It is through the actions of these dark Lords. Mm -hmm. And like, that's weird. Cause in Clone Wars, they talk about there are senators in the separatist Alliance that are fully like, yeah, like, we just see that the Senate's corrupt and we truly believe that the Republic is just outdated and we just don't want to be a part of it. But they don't support the war. Mm -hmm. So I just love it. Politics. Space politics. I was going to say, it's it reminds me a lot of what's going on in politics today, yeah. right? So without naming names, um, you mentioned that people just felt like they wanted to be protected well, a recent president of our country used that as a tactic to get elected. Yeah. Like, you can keep your guns. America first will protect you. Yeah. And then look what happened. Well, and that's and I think that's something that I've learned a lot in my political science major is that those are concepts that in America we believe are tied to democracy. This mm -hmm. idea of we're the land of the free home of the brave. So we fully believe in this sense of protection and that democracy will save us. But then you have to realize that it doesn't really truly exist mm -hmm. because there will always be someone that is trying to manipulate the system. And that's the best thing about this whole plan that Palpatine has is he's fully manipulating the system and no one sees it because they're so blinded by the promise of what democracy is. And even Padme in Revenge of the Sith finally kind of sees the light and she's like, what if the democracy that we've been fighting for just no longer exists? Mm. 
and Anakin's like, you're sounding like a separatist. And he goes on a, <laughs> he goes on a whole rant, but Padme finally is like, maybe like we've just been buying into this lie. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say for the longest time, our own political system has been, has been that just a big lie. And people, my generation have been like, yeah, it's a lie. Like we need to do something about it, but we're also young enough to where people can put us down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Padme at this point is 24. So she's young enough to where people can just dismiss her. She's a Senator of a small planet that really doesn't have that much political power so they could just easily be like oh she's just that she's like if she were from delaware yeah oh fully (laughs) like i'm a senator from delaware because like even bale like he's the senator for alderaan which is another planet that doesn't really have a lot of political power but he himself is so respected so he kind of seems like the bernie sanders Alderaan is Vermont, but like everyone loves him and respects him. So they kind of just like, oh yeah, who cares about his constituents? We just care about his opinions. Well, speaking of Bernie, our other guy that we love a lot, Joe Biden, who would be, who would Joe Biden be in Star Wars? Ooh, that's a deep question. I know. Hmm. I know who Lindsey Graham would be. Who would Lindsey Graham be? He would be... Well, he'd be a dark lord because yeah. I just hate how he is. But I think Ted Cruz would be Lord Dooku. Would be Count Dooku. Yeah. Count Dooku. I can see that. I Riding on his little scooter from Texas. I definitely feel like Joe Biden wouldn't be a senator. He'd be a Jedi. <sighs> With those aviator glasses on. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Oh. He's got a lightsaber one hand he's, and an ice cream cone in the other. He's in like like the Jedi Council chambers and he's sitting in like that chair and he's got the ice cream in one hand, but like out of all the Jedi, I'd say maybe, hmm. I'd say either like Yoda or like Plo Koon. Okay. I don't know who Plo Koon is. I'll have to look that I up. I love Plo Koon. I would totally agree with the Yoda because everybody makes fun of how old he is. But every once in a while, he's like, I'm going to kick some ass. Oh, like when he's fighting Dooku and he's doing like gymnastics. Yes. Exactly. I think that is like so funny. But I will tell you when that movie came out the first time, the crowd went wild. Wild. They were wild. I mean, to see like Yoda go from like a crazy old frog living in the swamp, hidden R2 of like his cane to like the uh, high master in the Jedi council. Like clearly like he knows what he's doing. And Dooku was his apprentice. So it seems like a very, like, cool duel to see. Mm -hmm. Because Dooku's so calm and collected and has a very, like, uh, regal way that he fights. Yeah. Which I really like that for his character. And then Yoda's just doing backflips against, like, the sides of walls. Jedi Master. All right, I have one more thing. The last thing is, and if you hear our dog in the background, that's what he is. Um... The last thing is the robot hand at the wedding. Oh, my God. Well, let's talk about the <laughs> wedding really quickly. The, that whole part, like, it does suck for Anakin that he lost his hand. Especially because later on during the Clone Wars and, like, immediately after the Jedi Council thinks that he's, like, less than. Because they 
they basically argue that since he's lost part of his body, he's lost midichlorians. But the hand is just so creepy. The whole wedding scene is so weird. It's so Italian. Like, it's so Godfather. Like, her veil and everything. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. But I, I love it because after he gets his arm cut off, you know, he's in the hospital on Coruscant. Obi-Wan goes to Padme's apartment and is like, hey, Master Yoda and I had a conversation. Um, we know about your relationship because you kiss each other <laughs> in front of us. And we're basically breaking up with, with you on like his behalf because he's in the hospital because he's the chosen one. He can't do that. He's also a Jedi. He can't do that. Uh, and so emotions. Padme, yeah, emotions. No, no, no. So Padme's like, okay, well, can you just have him escort me back to Naboo so I can do it in person? So is this all in the book? This is in um, one of the Clone Wars novelizations. Okay. I'm like, did I miss no, no, no. the movie? And um, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, it's fine. And then they what? can get married. Why is that fine? You're an idiot, Obi-Wan. Because Obi-Wan's like, okay, like, that would be reasonable for Anakin to, like, hear from her. Because he already didn't like the idea of... Yoda forcing Obi-Wan to break up with Padme on the behalf. Like, yeah, he didn't like being the middleman. So Obi-Wan's like, okay, like that makes sense. And then they go get married. Whoops. Yeah. So once again, it's also their fault. But of course she looks beautiful. It's very like Romeo and Juliet of like, I mean, they are the star-crossed lovers. That's what it is. Okay. Yes. um, But then Anakin has that hand. And then their kiss makes me so uncomfortable. Is the, the it's just gross. It's very cringy. Like somebody like somebody's got bad breath and they're trying to kiss, but you're like, you've got bad breath, but yeah, I, it, I'll still kiss you. It's it's a lot. And it's weird because the music is swelling in that scene. Because it's <laughs> John Williams Across the Stars, which is the their love theme, which is a stunning stunning score john williams really like i thought phantom menace was good attack of the clones score is just unbelievable like he just keeps getting better and better the scene is beautiful like the shot itself the sun and her dress and then yeah and that kiss and i'm like and, and then the movie ends dun, 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 dun. i feel like now we can talk about obi-wan's story okay we've talked about anakin and padme so obi-wan is trying to find out where this dart is from that killed oh, yeah. the assassin. And Jocasta knew in the library is like, well, if it doesn't exist in the archives, it doesn't exist, which that makes me so upset. Cause I'm like, girl, obviously someone erased it. Dooku. <laughs> On his scooter. Um, so he finds Camino and I love Camino, like how it's very sterile mm-hmm. and perfect. And this whole idea that the Kaminoans only like perfection. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan is so confused when he shows up because they're just like, Master Jedi, we've been expecting you. I know. Here's your army. And he's <laughs> the worst liar ever because he's like, yeah. Yeah. I will sure tell Sifo Diaz he's been dead <laughs> over 10 years. Um, 
But then he's like, who didn't think you were going to come? Yeah, we are so happy you're here. Like, the units are ready for inspection. And Obi-Wan is just soaking wet because <laughs> of the rain. And then he's like, oh, the who's the clone template? I would really like to meet them. And then it's the best scene in this entire movie. Because Obi-Wan, we meet Boba. So now... We know that Boba is an unaltered clone, and that was part of Jango's deal with the Kaminoans. They can get his DNA and make an army in his image if they give him an unaltered clone, basically as a son. So we meet Boba Fett, and you're just like, who's this kid? Yeah, like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you're just like, hey, kid. And then they go in his apartment. And then Django shows up and he's got like that really loose fitting, like blue tunic. And like, there's this weird, like kind of sexual tension between him and Obi-Wan. Cause it's this, <laughs> it's, it's not in that way. It's just the standoff of Django knows that it's a Jedi in his house, in his house. Like he's been caught. Like he knows that Obi-Wan knows he's, the Mandalorian that was on Coruscant, but they can't really like say anything or do anything there because Boba's there. The Kaminoans there. Yeah. So it's this weird tension of like, uh, where he's like, you know, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. You know, do you like your army Jedi? Like, <laughs> and I remember, I don't remember like seeing the movie as a kid. Cause I was five. But I do remember for the first time seeing Django Fett and just being like, I want to hold that man's hand so badly. But, like, I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. Because it was definitely, like, the first, like, crush I ever had. But then, like, you find out he's, like, the bad guy. And you're taught as a kid to not like the bad guy. So I was like, oh, man. But wait, he's not a bad guy. Mandalorians just do what they're told, right? Well... From the context of the film, when you see him with Dooku later, you're like, okay, he's clearly the bad guys. But if you read the comics or anything like that and you know his backstory, his his family was murdered by this like group called Death Watch mm. and which was like a rogue Mandalorian kind of terrorist organization. And he's taken in by um, a Mandalorian group under Jaster Mareel. And so he basically adopts him and raises him as his own. And uh, like years prior to all of this, there was basically a setup by Death Watch where they inadvertently got the Jedi involved and the Jedi massacred uh, Jaster Mareel's group. Oh. So that's where his hate for Jedi came from. Got the it. Jedi didn't know. Like, it was all a trick. Um, but so that's where he has this intense hate for Jedi. And then Jang or yeah, Django gets betrayed by like Jaster Mareel's like right hand, and Jaster's killed. Um, Django is like sold into slavery and is a slave for a really long time, and then he escapes and he becomes a bounty hunter and like, he has claimed to, like, the Mandalorian throne, mm -hmm. kind of like Din does now. And, but he, you know, he's just kind of swimming in his grief and mm -hmm. is kind of using bounty hunting as, like, a way to 
get past it. So when Count Dooku shows up and is like, I have a proposition for you, go kill this rogue Jedi. The Montrose, the guy that betrayed him is also doing this hunt. So he ends up getting his revenge and that guy gets killed. But the entire time, like, this is a video game that you learn this backstory in. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Wait a minute. You told me about all these books I have to read. You didn't tell me there's a video game. Yeah, I'm not learning the video yeah, game. Yeah, you don't need to. Okay. But um, it's brought up like, why don't you settle down, meet a girl, have a family? And he's like, no, like, I can't do that. And so when he completes the contract, that's when he's like, I need Boba. Okay. Like, I'm ready. Like, I've, I'm ready to let go of that part of my grief. But I'm still pissed at the Jedi. Like, if I have a way to kill them, like, I'm totally fine with that. So I just, I love him so much. As a character, I love him a lot because he's gone through so much. And then Tamora Morrison is just so attractive. And then to know that like the clones are literally him. No wonder why when Clone Wars, the TV show came out, even though like season one clones were rough looking, like they look nothing like him. Now it's to the point that, like, season seven Clone Wars, wow. <laughs> wow. Like, I told you the other day, like, there's a, when I look at pictures of season seven Rex, it, like, makes me nauseous how attractive he is. <laughs> oh, my God, Mia. Which makes oh. me upset because I'm like, why are pixels hotter than a real person? But, I don't know. But now Tamora Morrison is 60 and he's playing Boba and like I've watched that episode of Mandalorian so many times because it's just so hot. Next episode we're gonna do Rings of the Sith, which I'm so excited for. <laughs> so excited for. That makes me nervous. You should be, because I have a lot to say about how funny that film is. I wasn't expecting and yet you to say that. how utterly heartbreaking it is. It's funny from like a script standpoint where you're like, ha ha ha, you know, one of my Anakin, favorite, you're breaking my hair. I like, was just yep. going to say one of my favorite scenes is yep. in that movie. So. But then also like the tragedy of the Clone Wars and like Palpatine's plan coming to fruition, like oh, it's so beautiful. And the score, the John Williams score is perfect. It was made for me. I listen to it every single day. Well, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we'll be posting pictures of Fred there this week um, as he sits here and watches us do our podcast. We also will be posting other stuff um, throughout the weeks. So it's a good place to get started and connect with us more. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and we will see you next time. May the force be with you, Mia. And also with you. Bye, guys. Bye.